0: College football is right around the corner, as we're three Saturdays or Fridays, depending on which team you root for, away from the season kickoff, and we are back to just uh, catch you up on all things Wolverines and Spartans that may have happened since our last episode, which was about three, three, uh,
1: three months ago, right, Joe? Yep. Yep, and I know you're going to be talking Michigan State football and basketball as per usual. Yep, and I'm going to be talking. Michigan football, and basketball, but I'm not actually going to be talking a lot of hockey because news broke there. Um, and also, I might hand Jim Harbaugh a baby and just run away and see what happens.
0: <laughs> Interesting there Here you go. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to... Uh... Give birth to the greatest episode of the Paul Bunyan Podcast Summer Edition. I was going to ask you what his exact words were because we were making fun of uh,
1: saying yeah. that fall camp was going to get pregnant. <laughs>
0: we've been we've been apart for too long. Like our internal clocks were ticking, and we had to get going on <laughs> getting a new episode done. <laughs> Anyways, Mike's gonna bring you some Michigan news on the other side. This is the Paul Bunyan Podcast. <coughs> Please remember
1: five times before the phone. I don't usually talk as much about hockey because I am far from an expert, even if I am a big fan. um, Hockey can kind of be intimidating, and uh, there's some uh, gatekeeping. That's the word I was looking for earlier, Joe, uh, (laughs) from some of the fandom that (laughs) doesn't mind calling you a casual. But I love watching Michigan hockey. I'm actually a big Red Wings fan too. But uh, last year was a lot of fun. They won the Big Ten tournament. They went to the Frozen Four. They have a lot of talent. You know, some fans were – just disappointing because you have five first round picks if you're not winning the whole thing then that's kind of a disappointment yeah but recently the coach was fired and he's a piece of crap I totally agree with it I would not recommend reading the 70 page report because it's legal documents and unless that's your thing that's really a tough go um I had to take a legal class for my journalism uh minor in college and I have to say, legal documents are like melatonin to me. It knocks
0: me out. It just makes me want to go sleep. It's a good bedtime read. Yes, the uh, seventy page document about Mel Pearson.
1: Speaking of gatekeeping, I feel like legal jargon was uh, purposely created to keep the dumb dums out. Yeah. like they could use uh, a different vocabulary for their profession, but nope, we're gonna use one that's a re- use one that's really hard to learn. And it's a form of offense to keep, uh, like I said, the idiots out. Yeah, like me, like uh, I'm sure my legal class was nothing compared to <laughs> what, what
0: lawyers. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: yeah. Um. However, I have read enough uh reporting of those of that report uh reporting of the report <laughs> uh stating what was in there, and let me tell you, Mel and Mel Pearson's a straight up asshole. Yeah. Um, the way Steve Shields and uh, Strassman were treated is unacceptable um the fact that it's not criminal or uh michigan not have any like hardcore violations uh the report basically says uh there's a lot of circumstantial evidence it's just a lot of being mean but not necessarily breaking rules yeah threatening a playing time intimidation Mm -hmm. treating pr woman uh, some of the female staff, the way they were treated, heard, like, was atrocious. Racist,
0: racist names were used.
1: Uh, yes, uh, using the word Jew in a negative manner. That uh, yeah. that really kind of came out of nowhere
0: and uh, shocked me. Um, Not in the way that Chevy Chase uses it in Community when he says, Annie has a clever Jew brain. <laughs> more of an insulting
1: way maybe maybe even (laughs) more insulting
0: that was that was tongue-in-cheek well like annie says
1: finish it it's jewish jewish yeah don't be a cartman um don't be a pierce (laughs) don't be a pierce either uh be 1980s chevy chase which is like a charming butthole not like a modern-day chevy chase which is just a butthole um but yeah i mean the more you read on the worse it gets yeah uh there, I, there's I saw, talks of uh of uh reporting not being anonymous uh like end of the year players
0: giving uh their grades yeah um, i i saw enough of johnny bacon's like cliff notes on twitter to be like i mean we've been hearing about stuff going on for a while just didn't know the specifics of what like i i'm not a huge michigan hockey follower like it's been hard to follow Michigan State hockey these last for, few different, years, reasons. for different reasons. <laughs> but even I knew like something was up in that program that wasn't being addressed. Like I knew there were some allegations of like female staff being mistreated or uh, players not being happy for whatever reasons. I just didn't know the extent. Female staff uh, was
1: week. yelled at and berated in front of everyone because she didn't get apparently Melch Pearson's uh, go ahead for interviews. Interviews wow. happen all the time, and yeah, you should get the go ahead. I want to say she wouldn't have done it unless someone on the staff gave the go ahead, but I think someone, Mel Pearson, had a bug up his butt. Yeah. And purposely, like, uh, deliberately brought up her gender, saying she will never work again. And that's the thing Michigan is a big time hockey school. A lot of their alums are in the NHL either as players, uh, in the front office on staffs rather as head coach or assistant coaches so these guys that come to mission and a lot of them have nhl dreams and the intimidation and playing time might not stop here yeah if you give a bad <laughs> exit interview uh or review i should say um when you get drafted it could affect you there too especially imagine if you're a fringe minor league uh player slash uh pro player you know yeah and even if it's Mel Pearson doesn't have that power. It's um it's the fact that uh those guys believe it because there's uh yeah. plausible there's plausibility that he has that poll.
0: Right. I mean the, a coach's word is still sacred to some people regardless of what they can see on film or on tape like they'll just believe what a coach tells them because they're it's yeah. just an older generation type yeah, they, they, of, they, yeah. These are all 17 to 22 year olds and yeah.
1: Strauss was a captain and he was a starter. Wasn't he the goalie who ended up
0: playing in uh, like Sweden or something his yes. senior year? Because I want to say that was true. Like I said, I'm. I don't want to say right. We're, we're we're not. We're far from the experts of uh, <laughs> hockey. But I believe that's what I saw about about Straussman. I
1: made uh, mistakes before on air, so I just want to not me. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yes, goalie. Okay, I, I I thought that's who that was. And by the way, um. He would have been the starter if he stayed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, actually, I th- I think Michigan would have been better off with him. Um, he's a starter. He's a captain. And he had pole. And even he's feeling this way. Like, really good riddance, man. And getting back to what you heard and what you believe. Because you said, you, you know, we've been hearing reports for a while. Yeah. Mel Pearson's contract ran out on May 1st. May 4th was Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Mm-hmm. May 5th, Michigan got this report.
0: May the 5th be with
1: you. Yeah. yeah. They could have said, thank you, your services are no longer needed. Right. They didn't need a reason to fire him. Right, they could have just not re-signed him. Yeah, the report basically says, this is really, really, really uh, taking 70 pages and making <laughs> it like a statement. Like I said, there was no, t- technically, there's not enough evidence to say anything big like rule wise was broken, a lot of the stuff that is a little bit more major is hard to prove, or mm-hmm. it could be circumstantial, and basically, <laughs> it says like Mel Pearson's not a good guy and probably shouldn't be your coach. Like if you really read it, because it, I mean it's damning. Yeah. And Michigan, but Michigan didn't even need a reason to fire him, and because his contract right now, you could have just it could have been an easy transition have been done there. Yeah, and all the Regents want them gone. The president, interim president Mary Sue Coleman, want him
0: gone. Ward Manuel decides he wants them.
1: Yeah. Like, why?
0: That is a uh, a dumbfounding decision. I don't, I don't know what went into that. We, uh, we never will. But because when this becomes public, like, like okay, this uh, whole process didn't have to be a thing. Let, let Let's use
1: his dumb like logic like let's try to figure out what he may have been thinking okay okay Mel pearson has actually done a pretty good job he's actually done a damn good job recruiting can he continue to recruit well when this comes out like who's if yeah. if, if you if you kind of have your pick of uh five like hockey blue bloods and michigan is known for intimidation is known for like talks like a toxic locker room why wouldn't you go to Boston College? Why wouldn't you go to Minnesota? Right. Right. Like, and not deal with that where you know what it's like at Michigan. And I'm sure Mel Pearson has some players that would, like, support him. We've seen that in football, basketball. Yeah. There's people that still love Woody Hayes, you know? <laughs> like, right. True. Uh, Ward Manuel still loves Bo. And yeah. that, so this might be, like,
0: um, a pattern of behavior. No, I mean, like, but, so, but, but, some people still want the Joe Paterno statue up at Penn State. Yes, like, yes. There's going to be staunch defenders, gatekeepers, but, as you said. But, yeah, yeah. But
1: Ward Manuel, like, yeah, like, Mel Pearson's done a good job. But, one, this is Michigan ho- hockey. You, It's a lot easier to find a coach in May. And it's a lot easier to pull out Red Berenson's Rolodex. He has so many uh contacts or you could just hire outside the program like someone who doesn't even have a connection Mm -hmm. um uh so i don't understand like and it's not like the regents were split you have eight people who could fire you disagreeing with you it's hard to get (laughs) michigan regents to agree on anything everything's political you you have people over here that are really good friends with this person from the basketball program so they're they have those interests, and then you have these people who are who uh, really have interests when it regards the football program. Some of them like really care about 1992 Michigan football. Some of them care about like more contemporary. Mm-hmm. So like, there's all kinds of things. Like four of them are Democrat, or five of them are Democrats. Three of them are Republican. So they turn things into political things. <laughs> but all eight of them said, "Like let's get Mel Pearson out of here." and it is kind of sad real quick because he kind of was groomed for the job he was a long-time assistant he went in uh michigan tech he basically built that program and it was like okay he's finally here and he's doing well but it's like i don't care if he won you a national title i was actually kind of worried if he did win a national title it would be tainted by all this
0: yep um not to get you off track but you know we've last few years have been like a golden age for Michigan athletics. Like we've talked about the big 10 championships across multiple sports, but in a lot of sports, there have also been some controversies like with how ward manual has handled stuff. I try to avoid yes or no questions, but do you think Michigan should try to move on from ward manual as a D? Probably. Yeah. Um, I will say
1: like a lot of that didn't happen under his watch, but it was his reaction to it. Well,
0: yeah, I mean I've I i, I do not have many issues with how he handled like the Juwan Howard thing. Uh I do have issues with how he's handling the talking of the Beauchamp Beckler yes. situation. I obviously like he wasn't you can't put what Bo what happened under Beauchamp Beckler on him, but like the way he's addressing it and talking about it now is an issue. Yeah. Um just like the way Harbaugh's contract was handled. Uh, yeah, that last was off season. Yeah, like there have been a lot and of this decisions. Where and this off season, right? There have been a lot of decisions that I just look at by Ward Manuel, and just I think a lot of people would go the other way. And even though the a lot of the athletic programs like baseball, hockey, basketball, football, you know, are experiencing great success.
1: How much does he have uh, um, to do
0: with them? Like, right. Juwan Howard. Good coaching staff. Well, Juwan um, right, Howard's he, the only
1: one he hired. Yeah. He didn't hire Harbaugh, who won the Big Ten title this past year. He didn't hire Mel Pearson. He defended right. him when crap came out. Um, he didn't hire Hutchins. Um, uh, and it's collective, too, at the university. It's kind of a weird golden age for Michigan. Um, but how much does he really have to
0: do with it? Right. There's been kind of a turnover there um, from Hackett to um, – I think he has more to do with, like, the off the, – the football schedule, you know, Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn in the first three weeks. I think that's more of, like, what – Well, Winter Notre Dame really kind of does too. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's a piece uh, of
1: shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, that, that's who was slotted in there yeah. originally. Um, but – Yes, I mean, I've actually had that conversation, and that was my answer, was how much does he have to do with the hiring of that? And also, I at the time, I thought it was dumb. I felt like Michigan should either stick with Harbaugh or move on from Harbaugh, and the worst thing was what but they stop did. stop dragging. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that's hurt recruiting a little bit, which I'll get into a little bit later, uh, because not only did it affect them that offseason, then when things – went kind of as well as they could have possibly. It was definitely like Harbaugh for the first time really flirted with the NFL. I felt like all those other years there wasn't really much to it. Right. He would come out and say, I'm not looking. And then it's like – When this past year came –
0: It was February and he was – in Minnesota interviewing, like, yeah, he it was, was like, There was interest. He was in like, ways. You wanted
1: me to find a new job last year. Well, I maybe I'll still try to find a new job this year, yeah. And I think the whole dynamic, I think when uh, Ward was hired, those two were fine, but um, don't forget Harbaugh was Ward's captain. Like, mm-hmm. I believe Harbaugh's senior <laughs> year, Ward Manual
0: was a sophomore. That is a funny dynamic. I never and considered. now
1: Ward is his boss, and I don't think it was an issue until it became an issue yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um anyway long story short i don't want him coaching my hockey team and he's not and i don't really feel comfortable with him even living in the same city as me
0: i don't know if he is oh yeah see i was waiting for an answer uh
1: i really hope he goes to hell. uh i really think he he is kind of the worst type of person that gained some power and abused it
0: yeah
1: um but uh Kind of in happier hockey news. Um, I believe it was yesterday it was announced. Um, Sunday. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah, we're recording this Monday. It is 821 in the Eastern time zone. Yep. <laughs> I kind of felt like old school radio. 821 on your radio dial on the <laughs> FM. <WBP. laughs> um, oh, man. I I probably should have looked up on how, how to say his name. Brandon Naruto
0: Naruto. I don't Naruto, know. Naruto.
1: <laughs> No, that's anime. Just, we'll just call him Brandon. <laughs> Brandy has been uh, named interim <laughs> hockey coach.
0: Imagine Jim Branstad. Or
1: <laughs> no, I, I'd rather uh, Dan Deardorff. <laughs> Terrible.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm Dan Deardorff. I
0: told you. <laughs> uh,
1: he's a 37-year-old that has one year of experience as coach at Michigan. Uh, I actually think this is a really smart move, especially if you have to make it in August. Yeah. Uh, it would probably be a little bit more of a mid Move in may, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's good
0: given the circumstances, yeah.
1: And I'll explain why because when he was hired on the staff last year, he was considered uh, one of the hottest up and comers in the college hockey world. Uh, he's a former player at Michigan, uh, he played forward in the 2000s and he was on the 2008 Frozen Ford. Team, kind of a like a uh, role player like middle of the road he yeah, played some uh minor league hockey too but that was the extent of his playing career he was good enough to get in the minors but not good enough to get in the nhl but he was a skills specialist and a hockey consultant in metro detroit area he's a N- livonia native um specializing in prospect development uh alex drain over at mgo Blog wrote uh, in the 2000s, he worked with nearly every notable Michigan player who went to an AHL during the summers, from Connor to Cop to Hughes to Larkin to Wawrinski. His excellence at, as a development coach led the Red Wings to hire Naredo in a player development capacity in both Detroit and Grand Rapids with the a- AHL affiliate. Griffins. So like he had a job with the Red Wings. He kind of, like, has a job with, like, all the blue chippers that were coming up. Yeah. Um. But with all the bad news coming out of the Michigan, I like that Michigan hired someone with ties to the program, both as a player and a coach for continuity purposes. But his time as an assistant was so short that the environment of the terrible behavior, intimidation, and investigations is probably nipped.
0: Yeah, and he's, he's not rooted in – what Pearson had going on. When did Bear, when was Baronson's last year? Was it 17 or 18? I want to say 18. Yeah. It's been a few years now. Um, and he coached, by the time, he coached for 80 years? <laughs> since
1: 1986 with the uh, Michigan. Yeah. NHL before that. I think he was a, the coach of St. Louis Blues when uh, Michigan hired him. But uh, during this past year they were under investigation that you would think like the staff was on their best behavior and uh, and especially a new guy coming in like, Oh, what the hell did I walk into that? You don't think he would necessarily be, uh, picking up the toxic, the toxic behavior. Like even in, if he was shadowing someone, Yeah. um, So I like that. You kind of get continuity from a program perspective, but someone who doesn't have such long ties that they're like, as you said, rooted in that kind of uh, terrible behavior. Um, The last year, Naruto, sorry, I'm looking at my notes, and I (laughs) kind of just said what I said. But yeah, I mean, he's a young guy uh, with a lot of ties to college hockey and uh, and, and the program itself. He knows about development. He's young with a lot of potential, but he lacks experience. you like in a program as big as Michigan. That kind of sounds familiar. Sounds like the hockey equivalent of hiring Juwan Howard. <laughs> so, Joe, I have a question for you. What's the hockey equivalent of a Phil Martelli? Oh, uh, off the top of my head, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of what I see this as, because not only was Juwan Howard an assistant with uh, the Miami right. Heat, he was also a former Michigan players, but he has like he I mean he's about to have his third kid enter college basketball world. So both with uh Juwan Junior, I believe was the oldest one that went to U of D and then Jet. Um he kind of like also knew about uh the college world, at least from a recruiting perspective. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of something that was a little overlooked when he was hired. But he definitely didn't have like game day uh experience down and then like phil martelli was like the perfect guy for that but that's what i kind of see this as and if uh things like are terrible uh this year since he's an interim i mean even if he wasn't but from a financial perspective i mean michigan's not gonna have trouble hiring someone next yeah. uh, uh april things go poorly yep Yeah. um but yeah i have a Kind of a good amount to get to, to the, but I'm kind of done with hockey. I'll just move right on to football. I might even be able to get all my stuff in one segment. All right. All right. But in happy years news, let's move on to Michigan football. It's been almost a 1,000 days since Ohio State football last beat Michigan. 982, <laughs> in fact. And counting. I saw someone tweet yesterday, which was Sunday. That's 27 days until Michigan football. So by Ryan Day's math, it's about 100 days. But <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, but in some news about Michigan football, uh, following the barbecue at the big house um, last week, Michigan picked up a recruit, uh, uh, Alex Link, to uh, commit. Um, he's an offensive tackle. He's a four star on ESPN 24 7's comp. And do you uh, say that on, as one on three on or three, one? I don't, I don't, they seem
0: kind of new. They are I'm new in the last
1: them. year. And, as big of a sports nerd as I am, I don't tend to get that into detail orally. Yeah. So, one, I don't know. Uh, I didn't on mean to three, make that fun. Yeah, know. I don't know how to say that correctly, and I don't know Michigan's uh, hockey's coach's name necessarily phonetically. we'll, yeah,
0: we'll figure it out.
1: <laughs> he was also being recruited heavily by Penn State, Wisconsin, Stanford, and Virginia Tech. He also had like 10 other offers, mostly from Southern schools, Miami, Tennessee, Florida State, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I mean, he's a 6'5", 6'6", depending on who you look at, and either 290 or 300. Um, A lot of people were comparing him to Ryan Hayes based on built. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, he's a really good uh, player. I mean, he's the guy you want. Uh, French four-star. Yeah.
0: I tend to look more like who's offering more than – Stars, you know, like or like size is a big one, especially since Mel Tucker started recruiting. Like that's that's what I tend to look for. Penn State, Wisconsin, Stanford was yeah, Virginia Tech,
1: Miami, Tennessee, Florida State.
0: That's because so many services go back and forth. Like one guy's a four star on twenty four seven, but like. I also tend to like, a three-star on ESPN. Right? I, I tend not.
1: ESPN's really been half-assing it. That's yeah. the one I put the least amount of stock. Also, 24-7 comp kind of takes all of the recruiting services and does like an average. Yeah. So, I mean, even 24-7 has them as a high three-star. But when you do the comp, which they do themselves, taking in everyone, it's like a low four-star. Yeah. But either way, he's definitely a player you get excited about. Um I expect Michigan's class to continue to shoot up. They're at 28th right now. <laughs> they had a slow go, especially since Notre Dame went all in on NIL. Like, everyone yeah. they went. and right now Notre Dame's number one. It's still really early. I think um, Notre
0: Dame is going to benefit long-term from not having Brian <laughs> Kelly around no more.
1: I, I think even if he was there, it would be similar, though. I, I mean, so, I, but I mean, he killed like a guy, younger. but, but <laughs> right. that didn't
0: really seem to yeah. – Yeah, but long-term. Well, I don't I know. think it's – I think – Having like a younger coach now and
1: Marcus Freeman and I expect Marcus Freeman to be good, but I've been wrong before. Yeah. uh, uh, I think Brian Kelly. I hate to say it, he was a pretty good coach. He was. I think it's easier to win at Notre Dame now, and he would have benefited from NIL. Even though he looks like he has like really, really stinky farts, and uh, <laughs> I don't like his face, and <laughs> I don't know face. what the hell LSU was doing hiring him. Kind of felt like LSU could have like their pick. Like, why wouldn't you go after Lincoln Riley? Right. Like maybe Lincoln Riley didn't want to go there. I don't know. But if you were gonna poach a coach. Like they might have been better off just getting Marcus Freeman, even though most of his ties are to the Midwest. Cause uh, Marcus Freeman also did really well at Cincinnati as a defensive coordinator. But anyways, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Michigan's working from um, the bottom. I think some Michigan fans are like really hitting the panic button. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think they're 21st. If you go by star average, which isn't bad, they have a lot of spots still and they're still in on a lot of guys. Uh, they don't seem to be as embracing NIL as much as some. I don't think like the panic there's necessarily warranted though. The last Harbaugh's worst class, they were uh, 21st in 2018 and I was one that wasn't panicking. And that senior class just won the big 10 beat Ohio state for the first time in 10 years, went to the college football playoff. Like I think sometimes fans freak out too much when the difference between twelfth and twentieth might not be as big as you
0: think, right? And I am mean, like, sometimes the best players don't even stick around for more than a year, anyways, in a class. So, like, it really matters. Like, David Ajaba wasn't like officially part of that 2018 class, right? Like, uh, he, he might have been, yeah. But
1: I mean, he's but he's actually a perfect example because international players, and I'm going to get that to that in basketball uh, segment. International players hurt your star average a lot of times not always but and he's an international player you know uh kickers if you get the best kicker in a class they're gonna be a three star
0: right it doesn't do much. and kicking
1: is a big part of the game um uh, on a special teams play last year michigan lost ronnie bell uh when rich rod was here i don't think they learned how to kick properly till year three (laughs) (laughs) so many missed extra points and field goals and oh man, i still have some trauma from that (laughs) anyways um i i i think there's a good chance that uh uh, i mean just i'll I'll pull your team into this michigan state fans are happy as hell right now with their class and they should be they're doing a good job but sometimes and i'm pulling up an article here as i talk very slowly to try to get it up (laughs) um but they're 24th yeah michigan's 28th they've actually taken their uh average is actually pretty damn close i can't find the tab i'm looking at now sorry i was gonna cite some real numbers uh but they're actually very similar classes but i think based
0: on um based on like which recruiting service you look at like Michigan State right now has like thirteen commits, and depending on who you look at, like anywhere between eight to ten of them are four stars.
1: Um, their average on twenty four seven, which tends to be the best one, like that's what they do. Versus, yeah. uh, they also like rank players uh, out of a hundred. Their average, in, uh, Michigan State's is better; it's ninety point something, whereas Michigan's average was like eighty nine point something. Yeah. So it's still marginal, um, but that just also shows like. Expectations can play a role. Michigan tends to be between seventh and fifteenth. D'Antonio near the end. We talked about oh, that. Oh, yeah, waiting. Yeah. So when you get Tucker coming in, and he's uh, you get Tuck coming. Yep, you know, Tuck coming uh what was the nft tuck, <laughs> yeah. tuck. nf tuck tuck um but yeah when he comes in and he has energy and he's recruiting the south and i think a little bit was a little too much is made out of i think uh you can win either way when you talk about size with tucker
0: yeah because i'm gonna get into it at a later segment
1: I, I think uh d'antonio definitely had way more good years than bad years so oh, i have, yeah. so i'm hard pressed to like <laughs> but uh we don't need to D'Antonio, get too much. like there's more than one way yeah. to cook an omelet
0: like, D'Antonio early was making his living off of turning guys like Darkwise, Denard, Le'Veon Bell, Kirk Cousins, guys who nobody wanted into early NFL round picks. But the thing is, like, towards the end, uh, he no, was I like, will never defend. Towards I was, the end, he was like, I'm just going to keep doing that. Like, he got burned by the 2016 class, which was like – I will never static. defend his
1: last three years as right. a
0: recruiter because saying, I was on here. I'm not defending it. I'm saying oh, that's no no, what no, his no mindset no. was. Because I was
1: saying, like – That's what Because I was, was defending what he did early. Or- for yeah, a long time, yeah, I, I think you can win with the undersized players, but I'm just—I
0: yeah. I was on. But he—he he was like, I did it before, towards the end.
1: I was like, I can do it again. Towards the end, I was looking at like just Michigan recruits from Michigan, and I was wondering why like Purdue got that guy or yeah. Northwestern got that guy when the last twenty years, Michigan State's been a way better football program than either of those two. Well, yeah, they've been better than Northwestern, but oh, yeah. but Northwestern is good, but Purdue, yeah, but um. Uh, I think that's all I have to say about football. Like I said, we'll go heavy in the football on our preview show uh, in a couple weeks. But, uh, yeah, uh, Michigan hockey, uh, bad Michigan football. eh, They're good. Actually, I expect them to be really good this year. Uh, It's actually kind of perverse how uh, positive I am about this upcoming season. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about more on the other side.
0: Paul Bunyan podcast is brought to you by Farbar. Visit far-ebar.com to browse all types of products, including sweaters, hats, shirts, and other accessories. That's far-ebar.com. 2021 was a renaissance year for Michigan State. Um, I believe Vegas had their under over-under win total at four and a half, which I definitely regret not placing money on because I knew they were they were going to win over four and a half games. Didn't think they were going to get to 11 wins like they did. And this offseason brings uh, a lot of excitement, some uncertainty, and uh, what I'm going to do is just going to kind of go through position by position and just give my thoughts on who's back who's gone. I'm not going to get into like season predictions or anything. So much can change. And we're going to give our predictions every week for each game anyways. And I guarantee most of them, my predictions will end up being different than what I would say today anyways. So we're not going to get too much into that. The biggest piece coming back is quarterback Peyton Thorne, who started all 13 games last season and started a game at the end of the 2020 season. He broke the record for touchdowns thrown. He threw 27, uh, which seems kind of low. Like I could have sworn Connor Cook at one point threw at least 27, but I, I guess that's it. Uh, <laughs> only 10 interceptions. Some of them were pretty bad, but it lo- what I like about Thorne is every time he threw a pick, like he could explain it. Like he's, a co- he's definitely a coach's son and a coach's grandson too. both his dad and his grandfather were uh division three coaches and his dad is now the offensive coordinator at coordinator at Western Michigan who they'll play week one uh but he he has a very analytic you might mind want to keep an game. eye on those commerce all right ear on those conversations <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but like what when he talked about his first pick against Michigan like he, he comes off as a guy who doesn't care too much about his stats which is kind of comforting like the first drive against Michigan, you know, it was third and long. He just kind of, like, chucked it, and R.J. Moten picked it off at, like, the three. And his comments after the game were basically just, yeah, you know, it was basically a punt. Like, I kind of like that he wasn't too concerned. Like, man, I can't believe I threw a pick. Like, so uh, 27 touchdowns, 10 picks, four rushing touchdowns. Threw for 3,240 yards at a 60% completion rate. And uh, he's paired back with his longtime BFF Jaden Reed. Uh, Jaden Reed had 59 catches for 1,026 yards and 10 receiving touchdowns, two punt return touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. So that's that's like the biggest storyline. Peyton Thorne's back. Jaden Reed came back. I think that's really big for Michigan State. The offense will look to prove itself after the departure of Kenneth Walker III. Um, one thing, one last note about the quarterbacks room. There are zero college snaps on the roster behind Peyton Thorne. So, like, Noah Kim's never taken a college snap. Hamp Faye has never taken a college snap. Uh Hauser is going to be a true freshman, so obviously never played it down in college football. I'm going to look for Michigan State those first two weeks against Western Michigan and Akron to really put a hurting on them early to make sure that they do get some snaps for um, – Noah Kim, Hamp Fay, even Caden Houser, if they want to throw him in there without burning a red shirt. Um,
1: sorry if I'm uh, no, <laughs> I'm doing some internet sleuthing over here, and so I those... think I might have
0: <laughs> I think I might have distracted you for a second. <laughs> uh, so to so the running backs room, obviously the loss of Kenneth Walker is a big one. He he was the best running back in college football. You're just not gonna replace that with the same level of production. So I know a lot of people have been like, well, they're not going to, they're not going to be able to replace Kenneth Walker. It's like, well, yeah, he won the award for best running back in the country. <laughs> like, You don't just, you don't just replace that, but it's going to be more of a committee this year, which is kind of what I expected last year before Kenneth Walker, the third took off. They brought in Jalen Berger from Wisconsin who has ties to uh, Michigan States recruiting coordinator who came from Wisconsin Jarek Broussard is coming over from Colorado, the 2020 Pac-10 Offensive Player of the Year, who uh, obviously we all know Mel Tucker was coaching at Colorado a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and um, returning are Elijah Collins, Harold Joyner, and Jordan Simmons. Uh, they bring back experience. A little bit of a diverse group uh, of skill sets, but you know, there's a reason that Michigan State went and got Berger and Broussard from the transfer portal because I was really hoping – that one of those guys, Collins, Joiner, or Simmons, would show out against Pitt in the Peach Bowl. Granted, you know Pitt has a really good rush defense. I think they were top five in the country. But I mean, Collins, this point in that game, Joiner, even though he's big and he has good hands, like he, he's more of like what Connor Hayward looked like at a, as a running back. Uh, Simmons is, you know, he's speedy, doesn't do. Has, well, hasn't Pitt should much have won than that than game.
1: That. <laughs> okay, Pat Narduzzi. <laughs> well, I, I'm just glad that Michigan State fans got to uh, experience. experience, so, the the Pat, experience Narduzzi, of Pat Narduzzi, the rest <laughs> of us have had experience.
0: That's fair. No, it's more fun when he's making the comments <laughs> for us when he's saying 60 minutes of unnecessary roughness. Don't probably. get me wrong.
1: He's a good defensive coordinator, but he's definitely uh, – there's a reason Michigan fans call him Nardog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> And then, uh, redshirt freshman Davion Prim has been the talk of the coaches, or uh, he he was real quick just to defend football. Michigan
1: State. Uh, did Kenneth Walker play in that game? No, he didn't. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, so you had two no, I mean, player Bowl, of the year candidates yeah. that didn't play. That kind of keeps it even. Yeah. yeah, I guess quarterback has a little bit more to do with the game, but still, you shut so, up. It's a running...
0: No, like, it's the Peach Bowl. I like what Mel Tucker said when someone asked him about it. He was just like, Yeah, no, like that game was decided. I'm not gonna talk about that yeah um <laughs> you know it was it was just silly and darduzzi doubled down on it but classic <laughs> classic pat <laughs> uh, mainly even though prim has gotten some talk and you know like elijah collins has experience i expect Berger and broussard to get the first looks at running back and probably carry the load i think those two are diverse enough where you can rely on them maybe you see harold joiner in his third down role that he had last year, but we'll see. Uh, I could be totally wrong. Maybe Elijah Collins just wows them all and takes over as running. Who do you want to see? I'm really interested to see Jarek Broussard. I know he's a little bit smaller than the other guys. He's the guy
1: who came from Colorado.
0: Yeah, but you know he's he's got that experience. He's playing on his last year. Like all the other guys could be. Did back he have for to sit out year. last year? No.
1: No, okay. um, he, he just was a transfer was, portal guy. He was. Did he transfer this year or transfer? He transferred in this offseason. Oh, okay. I was thinking he transferred in last year, and either had to sit out for whatever reason, like it no. was a second transfer, um, or he was just behind uh, Walker.
0: So I've I've seen Berger a little bit at Wisconsin. Um, like he had a t- he had a touchdown run against Michigan in twenty twenty that I remember watching. Um, seems like he might need some attitude adjustments like I don't I don't want to talk on his character or anything. Like I really don't know, but it seems like from the outside looking in there was some disgruntlement with the uh, his exit at Wisconsin. Maybe that's as much on Wisconsin as it is on him. I don't want to misspeak. But I'm excited to see both of them. I, I expect Broussard to get the starting nod, but we'll see. I think I know why notice. he had issues
1: there. At Wisconsin. Yeah, he was like, my name's Burger, and they're like Cheese, and he was like, no Burger, and they're
0: like, like Cheese. No, Jalen. <laughs> <laughs> we like Cheese. <laughs> um, I expect Broussard to get the first look, but uh, I believe Burger is a little bit bigger, and he definitely has some explosiveness. But uh, we'll see. You know, uh, the way that Kenneth Walker exploded onto the scene, like Michigan State's now a running back destination because of that. And uh, I'll talk about that a little bit in in recruiting later. At tight end, I'm really excited about this position group. I I think Malik Carr is going to have a breakout season as the top tight end. Michigan State also returns Tyler Hunt and brought in Daniel Barker from Illinois. And then brings in two well-recruited freshmen in Jack Nickel and Mike Masunas. But I really like what they did with this room. I think Malik Carr, having a year of experience with the team, he came over from Purdue I think that's going to do wonders. And now, you know, without Connor Hayward back, I I think it's his position. I think it's his time to shine. And Daniel Barker, he just brings back a lot of experience. He was the – he had more uh, receiving touchdowns at Illinois than any other tight end in program history. Granted, I I couldn't tell you any other Illinois tight end off the top of my head, but I think it's great that they brought him in. (laughs) Who is throwing him the ball? lots of people. Brandon Peters was yeah, one of them. That's who I thought. <laughs> uh, probably a few different people. Yeah. <clears throat> a little bit of an unknown here with the offensive line. They definitely lost some experience. Like um drawn a blank on their name, so I'm not going to hesitate. It might them. be a good thing. No but offense, do.
1: but I didn't really think the offensive That was yeah. a weak link of the Uh, Of the offense last year They had really good receivers Of course we already know how good their quarterback is mm -hmm. Kenneth Walker I think one of the reasons he should have been in that uh, Heisman finalist Was because of the offensive line he had to run behind Yeah He was doing a lot of work for
0: them And what they would do a lot would be like Almost do hockey line shifts with the offensive line Like they would have one unit in there And then they would bring in the other one And For a while it was like okay you're trying to figure it out But then when they were still doing it like Against Michigan you know it like Aiden Hutchinson was doing pretty well against Jarrett Horst, but then he was, like, absolutely dominating Luke Campbell. And I was like, okay, well, why do you make that <laughs> switch? Why not just keep Horst in there and, like, at least have a little bit of a fighting chance? So
1: much about offensive line playing, too, and the offensive lines uh, offensive linemen will tell you this, is not only working with the same group, but also repetition. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a little bit frustrating that they kept doing those line changes. Um, you take those skill players with a better <coughs> offensive line... And Michigan State's season looks different.
0: Yeah. But so coming back, you got Jarrett Horst, JD DuPlain, Nick Samak, Matt Carrick, and Spencer Brown. They all have starting experience. Also brought in Brian Green from Wazoo, uh, who I think could compete either at the guard or the center spot. He's definitely like an interior lineman. I'm Sorry, to- I'm just smiling because of Wazoo, <laughs> Washington State. I know for those who, who don't know <laughs> Cougars, who aren't familiar with the the terms. Oh, uh, what, what was
1: their coach that I liked? The guy, Mike also- Leach. Yeah, coached at Texas Tech too.
0: <laughs> so I'm interested to see like how many true or redshirt freshmen MSU sees playing time in the fall. Uh, there are some intriguing options who could push for playing time. Gino Vandemark was a four star guy, who redshirted. Well, three star again, depending on which
1: which <laughs> recruiting
0: service you look at. I, uh, uh, I depend on MikeJolson.com. <laughs> Ethan Boyd, uh, Kevin Wigginton are all redshirt freshmen. Uh, true freshman Christian Phillips, who is a Twitter follower of the podcast and of myself. Awesome. Them, nicknamed Big Dooley, so that's always a good thing. <laughs> um, Gavin Brocious and Brayden Miller. Like, Mel Tucker's definitely – it's been a, a residual build. Like now, like he's – clearly recruiting at a different level than what the last years of D'Antonio were, but there were some subtle differences in the 2021 class like Grotius and Vandemark, and um, this year, like Phillips coming in. Um, Whereas they don't jump off the page at first, but you look at them, you're like, okay, well, they're definitely more talented than the backups that Michigan state had in previous years. They just need to get some experience. So, Offensive line is a bit of an unknown, but I see potential. Potential for excitement. Potential for worriedness. You know, <laughs> um, We'll probably know more once Michigan State gets into facing like Washington, Minnesota, and Maryland. How excited to be for the rest of the season. But they definitely have some players there. Uh, now the exciting part of the, the offense is the wide receiver position. I'm most excited for them this fall. They'll more than likely be the best position group on the roster, maybe. Obviously, Jaden Reed returns. He's got All-American potential. Trey Mosley is a proven weapon who's been producing since his true freshman season. So I think having those two proven guys back will give Thorne two solid guys to look at when uh, stuff breaks down in the pocket. It's going to be difficult to replace the loss of Jalen Naylor, but having those two as safety blankets is a big help. And there's just so much potential in this receiver's room. I'm worried I might miss a few names, but here goes. I'm just going to like list off a couple guys and like what excites me about them. Keon Coleman was a big-time get for Mel Tucker's first recruiting class, and he was hard to keep off the field as a true freshman in 2021, even with a crowded group of receivers. He definitely showed some flashes. I think he'll benefit greatly from having Jaden Reed and Trey Mosley as the team's top two options, because depending on how teams choose to cover Coleman and Bernard, uh, Jeremy Bernard, Like you could have a team's fourth best defensive back covering Keon Coleman. And he might not be great yet, but he's definitely a big guy with athletic abilities. Like he can jump. He was one of the best athletes on the basketball team last year. Um, Speaking about Jeremy Bernard, Bernard was a four-star prospect who flipped to the Spartans very, very late from Washington, which makes that week three game (laughs) in Washington pretty interesting. Uh, Quick note, he played high school ball with, Michigan State quarterback, Kate Hauser. So once Thorne and Reed are gone, we'll have that to look forward to. That's good. (laughs) Um, His ceiling is extremely high. He could make his case for most talented receiver, just based on talent alone. And I I think he's one of the true freshmen that will definitely see the field. Like he's going to be hard to keep off the field. Um, Two guys who bring back experience and our breakout candidates are Montori Foster and Christian Fitzpatrick. Foster really came on at the end of the regular season, after Jalen Naylor got hurt against Michigan. Uh, Fitz he posted some really nice catches against Maryland and Penn State. Fitzpatrick he transferred over from Louisville as a as a redshirt freshman. Didn't produce much, but he has the size to and the talent to step in and fill a role for the offense. There's some other intriguing redshirt fresh or uh, true freshmen, I should say, Antonio Gates Jr. and Tyrell Henry. Uh, some guys like Terry Lockett that I think could play, but Antonio you know Gates
1: Jr. should be really good.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for uh, that. That was a big. I know time that's again. a bold take, but <laughs> <laughs> some people forget that Antonio Gates Senior. played for Nick Saban very, very briefly before uh, going to play college ball at Kent State. College basketball at Kent State. He went to Michigan State or Alabama or LSU? Uh, Michigan State. Very I had no, briefly.
1: I had no idea about that.
0: Like, he may not have actually seen the field. <laughs> they end up becoming one of the best tight ends of all time. Yep. After a very good college basketball career. Uh, on the defensive side, Spartans are going to look to improve their defense in 2022, particularly their pass defense, which finished, as Mel Tucker put it, at Big Ten Media Days, dead-ass last in the country in 2021. Is that true? That's that's what he said. I mean, statistically they were definitely last in some categories, but yeah. it was
1: kind of weird how poor they were at both corner and uh, well, put a defensive back period yeah. and then offensive line, but they were so good in other areas that it like made up for it.
0: Yeah. Like part of that was like the competition they faced down the stretch and then part of it was injuries, part of it was just not good coverage, not good pass. Rush I know Ohio State's good at swinging the ball, but come on. No, that was that was most That was, that was such a weird outlier game. Yeah. Uh, to paraphrase, Jed Heathcote, the good news is the whole secondary is back. The bad news is the whole secondary is back. <laughs> were they young last year or Oh, a lot of them were in their first year with the program. So either like transfers or true freshmen. So mm. all jokes aside. Michigan State really saw their pass defense drop off in the Michigan game and all the games following it. Like, I think Cade McNamara threw for almost 400 yards or did throw for 400 yards. Um, Again, this was partly due to players like Charles Brantley, Ronald Williams, and Marky Lowry missing time due to injury. Like, Chester Kimbrough is really more fitted as a nickel guy. And for some of those games, like against Purdue, he was the top guy. Like, he was guarding David Bell, and it did not work. Um part of that was due to facing some of the best passing offenses in college football like Purdue, Maryland, and Ohio, Ohio State and Penn State like all took advantage of what Michigan did against Michigan State and just kind of ran away with that. The biggest addition in the offseason was transfer uh, corner from Georgia, Amir Speed. He stands at 6'3" and I fully expect him to be one of the starting corners come opening night versus Western Michigan. Again, Tuck was active in the transfer portal especially on the defensive side. He brought in defensive end Chris Bogle from Florida. I've heard Bogle. I've heard Bogle. <laughs> I don't know which way to go. Um, linebackers Jacoby Winman and Aaron Brule from UNLV and Mississippi State, respectively. Those three guys should definitely help improve the Spartans' pass rush, rush immensely because, let's face it, like the amount of pass yards given up, can also be attributed to the lack of pressure from the front seven in the back half of the season. Like early on when like Drew Beasley was fully healthy and, you know, Ponishuk was playing well, Michigan State was getting to the quarterback and, you know, the pass defense wasn't that much of an an issue. But once, once you just started to see the pass rush drop off a little bit and the pass defense suffered greatly. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean,
1: it can change from year to year. Um, uh, I mean, there was and there was a couple years ago where people wanted to run uh, Vincent Gray out of town in Ann Arbor. Yep. And then look at his year last year. He was one of the better corners in the league. And yeah. now he's on an NFL team.
0: So earlier I said wide receiver was probably the best group on the team. But defensive tackle definitely makes an argument for that statement. I remember going into the 2021 season being really excited about what Jalen Hunt and Deshaun Mallory specifically would bring to that position by the end of the year, they weren't even starting and it's not because they weren't performing. It's because Jacob Slade and Simeon Barrow just took that position by storm and really formed one of the better defensive tackle units in the country. Um, So Hunt and Mallory and uh, guys like Maverick Hansen are back, but I expect Slade and Barrow to, start the game and get most of the meaningful minutes. But uh, don't forget about big-time freshman Alex Van Summeren. I think he's going to push for playing time as well. And then defensive end, that's a little bit more uncertain. Like I mentioned, panashook and Beasley are gone. Drew Jordan, who was a one-time transfer from Duke, also gone. Is Ben Van Summeren gone? Ben Van Summeren is back. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's that linebacker, though. I thought he left. He did. He entered the portal. So did Ma Naote Ote, at linebacker. They both entered the portal at different times, but then came back. So they're both on the team. (laughs) I was, like, totally, like, joking (laughs) and expecting you to say no. Uh, (laughs) No, he's back. I don't know. I don't know. I'll get to the linebackers in a second. But defensive ends (laughs) is a little bit more (laughs) uncertain. So Jeff Petrowski and Brandon Wright, they both showed that they could do it in spurts. Like, Petrowski – early in the year was doing it very well against like Miami and Nebraska. Brandon Wright at the end of the year had good showings against Penn State and Pitt. They're going to need to prove that they can do it more at a full-time slate or more consistently. You know, like I expect Bogle to be a starter on one end. And I think Petrowski will probably be the starter on the other end, but much like D tackle, they'll probably rotate a lot of guys in and out. Guys like a Brown, Michael Fletcher will probably be in there. Maybe even true freshman Zion Young. He's got some really good length to his arms, so he could push for some playing time early on. But, yeah, linebackers, interesting room there. You kind of – you mentioned <laughs> Ben Van Summer in the Michigan transfer. Uh, like, Broke they, my heart when he transferred. They brought in Quavarius Crouch last year from Tennessee, and now he's gone. Like, he entered the transfer portal, and he didn't come back, and he doesn't have a home yet, which kind of breaks my heart because – he was like – he was doing some good things out in East Lansing in 2021. But um, like I said, Jacoby Windman and Aaron Brule are in. They seem like much more refined, good pass rushers. Uh, Cal Halliday was probably the surprise of the 2021 defense because I fully expected Vance Sumeran, uh, Noah Harvey, and quaverus Crouch to be like the main guys at linebacker in 2021 didn't really expect much from Cal Halliday, and he took over that spot. like He was the guy. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does with another year. I assume he's going to take over starting duties. But, yeah, Maunaute Ote and Ben Van Summeren are back after flirting with the transfer portal. What's also an interesting move is Darius Snow made a move from safety to linebacker, and I'm wondering if they're going to – keep it at a two linebacker set like they've been doing since Scotty Hazleton took over as defensive coordinator in 2020. Like I, it seemed like when he got there, they went to the four defense, but I thought maybe that was like out of necessity. Cause they didn't have a whole lot of linebackers. Like it was yeah, Antoine right. Simmons and Chase Klein and Noah Harvey. And like, that was it. And then last year, a bunch of new guys, but now like Brulé and women have played a lot of college football and they're talented. Cal Halliday's played a lot of football now. You know, Naute Ote, and Van Summerin and Snow all have experience under their belt. Is it still going to just be two linebackers on the field, or are they going to, like, mix it up? So I'm excited. I wonder if they'll stick with it because, ironically, the 4-2-5 is supposed to be set up to protect against big passing numbers, but Michigan State's rush defense was much better than their passing defense. <laughs> um safeties like i said everybody's back angelo gross Xavier henderson were the starters can't talk about uh linebackers real quick
1: yeah go ahead from the only colors despite the all too consistent breakdown in coverages there's reasons to believe there will be major oh blah 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 blah, blah. Uh, the unit loses one of its more productive players in quaverius Quivari... i've heard quaverus quaveris Crouch to the transfer po- transfer portal, but there were rumors that Crouch did not completely buy into the team's culture and the Spartans will return. But yeah, that's, that's the main part. <laughs>
0: I can't remember if Crouch played in the snow game against Penn state. Uh, if he did, it was hard He appeared to see in 10 games
1: snow. and started in nine. Games.
0: Okay. He definitely didn't play in the bowl game against Pitt. I think the last time we saw him in green and white was against Ohio state. Um, he was one of the better defensive players on their best linebacker, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. I mean, him and Halliday were probably the two best defenders. I mean, yeah, that, that would be my guess. He he was uh, sometimes caught out of position. Like, he was definitely learning the system. But, yeah, it seemed like it was a mutual when his name, When his,
1: his name came up as a transfer from Tennessee, I know, like, the day of Michigan fans – we're like, oh, we should go get that guy. Yeah. So, I mean, well, Michigan, I knew his Michigan
0: name. and Tennessee were like his final two. He was a five star running back at one point.
1: Oh, was he? And switched to linebacker. I saw that he was a four star linebacker out of North Carolina. Yeah.
0: I wonder it. if he sh- should have just like jumped to the NFL, like tried to get drafted because like the tools are there. Yeah. The I talent's mean, talent's there. Like he
1: was an um, uh, all Big Ten. Notable honorable mention. Yeah. It's I feel like if he was first or second team, it would be a little bit easier. Kind of maybe need a little bit more game tape to like. Yeah, uh, but somebody uh, would take a flyer on him in like the sixth. Bet, it's better than being in the transfer portal with no home. I'm wondering if he was just like a headache at a certain point. That's so what I'm wondering. Kind of And like
0: once once they knew they could get Winman and Brulee in there, and it's like okay, these guys have it a little bit more together. We don't really need – like, I think it was a mutual transfer portal entrance. Like, mm-hmm. And the
1: fact he doesn't have a home, he's looking at potentially his third program in
0: however yeah. many years. And he'll, he'll have to sit out because you only get the the one-time immediate transfer mm-hmm. eligibility. But, you know, expectations are a little bit up and down. I'm I'm definitely excited to see what Michigan State can do. I don't want to get too much into, like, record predictions, but I do think – they don't match their win total from last, from 2021. I don't think they get to 11 wins. Like, I mean, Ohio state's, th- there's just a really difficult three game stretch in October where you got Ohio state and Wisconsin, a bye week and then you're at Michigan. Like Michigan state has clearly not been on the same level as Ohio state. Like I, th- I think they could beat anybody on their schedule, but Ohio state, unfortunately, like, it would take michigan state's best game and it would take ohio state having some breakdowns for michigan state to beat them that's just my thought right now maybe something happens
1: pulling this out of my butt basically but just is there any big 10 team that has there is there any team that has
0: beaten ohio state more than twice in the last 10 years in the last 10 years so like since 2013 yeah um michigan state's the only one 13 and 15 no, more than twice. Oh, more than twice. I, sorry, think Alabama... I thought you said more than once. I'm sorry. No, no, because I think Alabama might be able to say that too. I don't think even they can. Okay. I think Clemson's the only one.
1: Oh, maybe – I think I was thinking Clemson and said Alabama. Gotcha.
0: But I knew um, like
1: in the college football playoff. But, you know, like – But those – I mean, Clemson's so played you, them what, twice? Three, three times? Three times. Yeah. 13 yeah. Orange Bulls. All these big 10 teams get to play them every times, year. Four times because
0: Ohio State beat them the last time. Okay. But uh, – you know, it was kind of bad timing, but you know, Mel Tucker had just signed that ten-year, ninety-five million-dollar extension, and then they get embarrassed by Ohio State. Like it was over, two drives into the game, and everyone was like, "Oh, well, you shouldn't have given Mel Tucker that everyone. money." Not everyone. I, I saw it a lot, but my thoughts are this: like, actually, that's why you give him that money because Michigan State clearly, like, it's up to that point, it had been a magical season. You know, they were almost undefeated. They had that one setback against Purdue. Like they still controlled their own destiny, but they were doing it in tight games against teams like Nebraska and Indiana. Like the talent was not there across the board. Like they had good talent in key positions, but across the board, there were weaknesses that much more talented teams could expose. And Michigan State's still at least a year away from having similar talent to Ohio State. Or like in talk the same. Talking about ballpark. coaches'
1: contracts is such like low hanging fruit.
0: Yeah, I mean it was it was bad timing. You so know, how was much like money these Friday, schools have. That Friday it was made official, and then in your biggest game of the year, you come out yeah. like that. But I don't know. I'm excited. We're gonna get way more into it each week of the season, and uh, we're gonna talk some more recruiting for Michigan basketball, Michigan State basketball, a little bit of Michigan State football as well. On the flip side.
1: All right, just finishing up here. I have some Michigan basketball. Joe has a little bit more, and then we'll uh, send you guys out. But since we last left you, I believe, uh, both Caleb Houston and Yavate left the Michigan Wolverines basketball team to the draft. Frankie Collins left a transfer. We also lose uh, Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks. But Michigan picks up a transfer from Princeton. Uh Jalen Llewellyn, yep. a transfer from Duke, Joey Baker, and uh, under the radar recruit in Yusuf Kayat, I believe. I'm just going to call him Yusuf or Yui. Um, uh, and good looking into next year, obviously you lose a lot, but I think there's also a lot of good young players to be excited about. You should see more of Isaiah Barnes and Will Shedder, a four and three star. And I, I think Shedder's a really high three star. Uh, then you have the veteran Hunter Dickinson. Um, since he's coming back, you kind of might want to see some more veterans and win down. I really wanted them to get Nance from Northwestern. Yeah. Um, but they, I, I do think there's uh, a lot of players here because, um, real quick, you all, you have T. Will Bufkin, Jace Howard returning. And in addition to Yusuf, you have a really good recruiting class with four four stars coming in: Jet Howard, Reed. Glenn and McDaniel. Um, I think you take all that young talent, you have them battle for minutes, you should end up with a pretty good team. Oh, yeah. Um uh, I, I'm actually really excited. I could see Yusuf's uh ceiling being something like Brodiscus, maybe even Wagner, if he like really not not, mm-hmm. not, maybe maybe not a, like right away. Oh no, no, no. He he if he uh he's an international player. I had a hard time uh finding a lot of sites didn't even like give him stars a lot of people said he'd probably be between 50th and 75th in the class yeah so you're really looking at five four stars coming in uh Wagner I believe was a 40th and probably would have been higher if he was an international player and then Berdyskis I believe was around 40th too I could be misremembering that but I want to say when uh Wagner committed I saw that his ranking was a little bit was close to Iggy's and they both were international players so
0: yeah um I think it's it's gonna be a little bit similar to what Michigan experienced in the 2021 season like there's gonna be almost endless possibilities of what they could do from like the three to the five spot especially talking about with, last year or two years ago uh 2022 I mean my bad okay um from like the three to the five spot, especially with Barnes and Cheddar after redshirting this year, playing uh, this upcoming season. And then, you know, Terrence Reed is a big guy. Uh, Greg Glenn, he's kind of like a – or uh, Jet Howard is kind of like the three or the four, right? Yeah. You know,
1: so, he could even play two, they say.
0: Yeah. So bringing back Dickinson and uh, I almost said Terrence Howard, Terrence Williams. Yeah. <laughs> um, bringing back those two, bringing in, you know, Cheddar and Barnes and Glenn. Am I forgetting anybody? But I, I just think there's a lot you can do. And then Baker, I think, is more like a three-type player as well. I kind of like that they
1: brought in um, a role player like Baker. Yeah. Also with a lot of veterans. Like and he can hit the three. That's really what Transfer they Portal is
0: supposed to do. Like Transfer Portal is supposed to like, supplement the roster that you have. It doesn't always need to be like a big splash guy, right? you know.
1: Um and speaking of which, I did not want them to bring in a big splash from Memphis. Uh,
0: who could that be? <laughs> <laughs> like I want. It's so
1: funny. He went from being the most sought after player ever to being like fan base is like
0: Nah, dog. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I hope I'm he does still, well at East. Yeah, night. I was gonna say I'm still cheering for Imani Bates. Like I really think it's mostly his pops doing him wrong. And uh, I mean, he was he was. 16, 17-year-old kid that had, like, all the basketball fame in the world. But how many times have we heard somebody called, you know, the next LeBron James or the next Kevin Durant, next insert player here, and it's just that you never see them? I'm hoping Imani Bates rises above it, though. Well, I wasn't – I'm yeah, I'm not actively rooting
1: against him. I just yeah, want okay. him to stay away from my <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah. I also
0: wanted him away from Michigan because I knew those two games a year he would like, I turn heard... it on.
1: I, 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 felt, guess. I felt like that was, like, because the, the interest was one way there. So I was wondering if, like, that school, if Michigan was just put on there to, like, mess with Izzo or yeah. maybe someone else in the program that had maybe they had bad, not the nicest words and just a way to, like, kind of poke.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's all, like, throwing darts, like, guessing, hearsay. Whatever, whatever phrase you Because Juwan Howard
1: was really familiar with him because he recruited him hard. Yeah. Uh, there was a time where uh, Jalen Rose, Ray Jackson, Jimmy King were with Juwan all in the stands, like cheering him on. Um, But he chose Michigan State and then ultimately chose Memphis. And mm-hmm. then this year happened. And it's like, Juwan's very familiar with you. Uh, If he's <laughs> not returning your phone calls or texts. Anyways. Um, But, yeah, I think – It's really hard to project. Um, You have to think with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Like, I have, like, ten names on my screen. You have to think with those five starting positions, uh, there should be – I mean, Hunter Dickinson's a given. Four guys should be able to step up. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot. And, uh, I mean, Michigan lost Frankie Collins, but it's, like, almost – like, it's kind of okay with the amount of players they have. Like, they might not even have to play any of their freshmen too much. Um, Terrace Reed, I think, is going to be a beast. He's actually the highest rated one. I think Jet Howard's probably the best one to play now. And then you have all these other guys. I, I mean, I feel like some of these guys are getting, like, not enough attention for how good they really are, like a Greg Glenn. And then I told you Yusuf. It almost kind of went under the radar when he – uh um, yeah, committed because I think a lot of player, a lot of fans wanted another transfer with some experience. And he was he
0: was kind of late too. Yes, he was. Yeah. I mean, he
1: didn't uh, commit until after we recorded our last podcast, so it's been the last couple months, right? Um, Real quick, I'm almost done with Michigan <laughs> basketball, but mm-hmm. trying to predict where they are. I've seen predictions everywhere from a three seed and competing for a Big Ten title to a ten seed. So I uh, yeah. can see either one of those. I kind of feel like uh Tenstein might be their basement. Assuming Hunter Dickinson s- stays uh, healthy because you're always going to be able to do at least a little bit with someone like him. Yeah. Um, but like, you're going to need some ball handling skills and some shooting. Definitely going to need
0: more shooting than, than last year. Yeah.
1: That was tough. Um, Eli Brooks had to pick up so much defensively and yeah. when it came to shooting. And, I mean, that's probably an underrated loss, too. you're, I mean, oh, yeah. they're, they're replacing a lot. They're replacing their point guard who really grew into a warrior um, and a, a leader of the team. Eli Brooks, I felt like last year was unfair to him because he wasn't always allowed to play his game and the things he's most efficient at yeah. because he had to be out of position. Um, but on the plus side, as much as I love Eli Brooks – like now maybe Michigan can have some size at the two. That's been something they've been uh, uh, missing since he started to pick up minutes there. Yeah. But, oh uh, yeah, we'll have more with Michigan basketball. I love Michigan basketball. I think this will be an interesting year. Might not be my favorite year, but, um, This was like the type of roster that Beeline was really good molding and kind of surprising teams with. It'll be interesting to see what Howard does with it.
0: Yeah, a little bit of background on Michigan State's basketball roster for the upcoming season before I get into the recruiting that they've been getting into. It it was kind of rolling with a tight ship this year, and I think this will be a good year for – people who would get on Izzo for his rotations. Cause I think rotations are going to be a lot tighter this year, <laughs> just due to um, the number of bodies. I think Izzo did try in the transfer portal. He tried for a uh, parish out of Oakland and um, I thought he was gonna Bridges get that out, of, out of West Virginia. They just ended up going elsewhere. Uh, a lot of us start Spartan fans. were really wanting him to go get a center especially after Julius Marble entered the transfer portal but he is sticking his ground with Mati Sissoko and then uh, Jackson Kohler and uh the other guy coming in Carson Cooper and we'll probably see Joey Hauser at the five a little bit as much as I don't want to like I I think I I'm forgot he was coming point. back. Yeah, Hauser's coming back. I'm actually pretty excited about that in all honesty. But it's going to be a tight ship I believe it's 10 scholarship players three of which are gonna be true freshmen but I think izzo has got a lot of faith in his guys I think he's really banking on two guys in particular taking big leaps uh Pierre Brooks at the three spot he might not start a lot of games at the three spot but he'll get a he'll get a good look there and then Madi Sosoko at the five I believe he's he's really banking a lot on those two by not going out and getting a transfer portal five or a transfer portal three. But I really like the guard room that's coming in, Uh, coming back. I mean, AJ Hogard was the bright spot of the team the last like month of the season. I think you'll see him and Tyson Walker on the court a lot more than we did at the end of 2022 together. Together, yeah. Yeah. Like I think you'll see Tyson Walker in more of a shooting role. Tyson Walker was hesitant to shoot and it, Bothered the hell out of me so much last year because <laughs> he he was a decent shooter. He just it looked like he was trying to place more of an emphasis on setting up plays for other guys. And I think this year, especially with Max Christie and Gabe Brown gone, it's going to be his time to shoot the damn rock. So I think Hogard and Walker are going to be an interesting combination. And then you got Jaden Aikens back, uh, Trey Holliman's coming in. I already mentioned Pierre Brooks. Like It's it's a real solid guard room, even with the loss of Max Christie. Um, but yeah, look, recruiting has been on a roll with this 2023 class. Like Jeremy Fears, a four-star point guard, has been committed since January, and he's been a fierce recruiter for the rest of the class. The biggest domino to fall was the second recruit of the class. That's five-star big man Xavier Booker, who pledged his commitment to the Spartans on July 30th. That was the fruits of a relentless recruitment by Tom Izzo, like he he and his a lot of his assistant coaches were at every game. Even even after a game where Booker had no points, he talked about this when he recruited. He thought Izzo was going to come up and <laughs> like withdraw the offer <laughs> or like scold him, but that was like that's when Izzo started coaching him. Like Izzo, who well, did you say Xavier was? Booker? OK, so some sites have not caught up on him and still have him. As oh, a sport, I know who this is. Yeah, or he, even a three star. He's going to be a top 30 player. Yeah, he's going to be a top five player, most likely. You think so? A lot of a lot of services already have him ranked as high as second in the country. Oh, Um. and then the commitment of Xavier Booker quickly snowballed into another big time grab uh, as Texas sharpshooter Garrick Norman committed just a few days later on August 2nd. Norman kind of gives this this class, some diversity. Cause you got a good point guard. You got a good big, we've seen that a lot at Michigan state, you know, like you've seen Winston and Tillman, not in the same class, but in cl- consecutive classes, you know, like you've seen highly ranked point guards and centers in the same class, but fears is fears is going to be a guy who I think is more of a true point guard than what Trey Holloman will bring. I think Trey who's, on this year's roster will be more of like a combo type player, kind of like what Tyson Walker and Jaden Akins are. But getting Garrick Norman gets some shooting in there. I think he's 6'5 or 6'6. He's a guy from Texas. Uh, everybody is making the Matt McQuaid comparisons. I don't like to make comparisons too often, but it, it looks it looks like a good comparison, you know, getting a tall white dude, sharp shooter from Texas, <laughs> you know. Um And, you know, look out because by the time we actually publish this episode, there might be another guy who's committed as a Cohen Carr, a four-star athletic forward. I think he's 6'6", is going to be announcing his commitment this week on Tuesday night. And from what I've heard, it's been looking like things are trending well for the green and white. They missed out on Devin Royal, who plays at the same position as Cohen Carr. Devin Roy went to Ohio state, but Michigan state can get Cohen Carr and bring in a four man class of fears and Booker and Norman and Carr. And you look at Michigan state's basketball roster for this coming year. Like it's going to be a tight ship, but everybody I believe except for Joey Hauser can come back for the next year. Even seniors like Malik Hall and Tyson Walker because of the COVID year. So, with those four guys coming in, it gives Izzo a, a lot of flexibility and honestly a little bit of leeway with how this year's gonna go. Like as long as they don't crap the bed and like miss out on the tournament, people are gonna be a little bit more okay because they know what's coming in with at least those three guys, possibly those four guys if Carr does commit on Tuesday night. But yeah, when, when Booker committed, it was it was huge for Michigan State. I I think Having Booker and uh, Jackson Kohler next year is going to give them a really skilled offensive tandem in the post, similar to what they had when Nick Ward and Jaron Jackson were rolling. And then when Jackson left and Tillman stepped up, there was a really good rotation before Ward got hurt of Kenny Goins, Xavier Tillman, and Nick Ward kind of rotating from the four and the five. And I think we could see something like that again.
1: Who's the former Michigan State uh, assistant
0: basketball coach that now
1: coaches at Indiana?
0: Uh, he doesn't coach there anymore. But Dane Fife. Oh, he's not on. He's not on the staff anymore. What happened? I don't know. Well, I heard. The, I'll, I'll
1: I'll give the source to this. <laughs> Anthony Wright said that he heard that uh, he kind of creeped Xavier Booker out, <laughs> and that helped. Booker decided to go to Michigan State instead of Indiana when those were two of
0: his final schools. See, Tom Izzo likes to play the long game. That's why he had Dane Fife on his staff <laughs> I was so good. long he and then cut say, him loose. No, I'm saying that Dane Cook is still delivering home runs for Michigan yeah. State. I was, um, I was like, <laughs> You remember, like, Tom Izzo let Matt Ishbia walk on to his national championship team, and now Matt Ishbia is donating the money that is paying Mel Tucker's salary. Tom Izzo all about the long term <laughs> when it comes to this stuff. He, he sees stuff that we just can't see, uh, and I've heard rumors that like a big reason why Izzo didn't go after a five star or not a five star, um, a center in the portal is because there weren't a whole lot of centers in the portal that were one year players, and he didn't want to risk missing out on Xavier Booker, and he was willing to take a one year flyer on Mati Sissoko and Jackson Kohler kind of man. He's done it before. Like there was one year where Kenny Goins and Nick Ward had to split time at the five and Kenny Goins is not a college center, like very good power forward, decent small forward, not a good center, but just out of necessity had to play this, share the center spot with a freshman, Nick Ward. But, you know, everybody knew that Jaron Jackson jr. Was coming in the next year. Um, and you want that
1: roster space. Yeah. One of the reasons uh, Trey Burke didn't go to Ohio State was because they had... Was oh, it Aaron Kraft? Aaron Kraft there. Now, if Ohio State knew that Trey Burke was right. going to win player of the year. And and I, 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 I love, hate Aaron Kraft, by yeah, the way. Yeah, I
0: think that's one where both, both schools are happy with what they got. But it could have been a little bit better. I feel like... Especially the... The th- history that Burke and think Sullen about what
1: like Ohio State had done the previous ten years, and then like once they lost out on Trey Burke, it was kind of a slow yeah. until they end up switching coaches, and now they're doing pretty well for themselves. So it was yeah. an immediate drop.
0: I kind of felt like there was a like Kraft's senior year was definitely it wasn't Kraft's fall either. No, 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 no. Like Kraft was very good. But, I like he
1: annoyed me, but I respected him. Yeah,
0: I mean, like they still. Won a Big Ten championship in 2012, like got to a Final Four that year as well. Mm-hmm. 2013, like they didn't they were have any banners, but yeah, 2011 they were outright Big Ten champs, uh Big Ten tournament champs, but then lost to Kentucky in the Sweet 16. Like, but they were like the number one overall seed. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, and uh and
1: I, I think if Jer- well, we're getting off track. If yeah. Jaron Solinger was what he was supposed to be, they would have been good too. Yeah.
0: Anyway, so like <laughs> just some football. You know, we've touched a little bit on Michigan State's football recruiting, but when Mel Tucker was hired by Michigan State in February of 2020, a lot of the excitement had to do with what Tuck could do as a recruiter. I think COVID-19 kind of delayed his process a little bit. Like, there are a lot of videos from the spring of 2021 where Tucker's like, hey, man, as soon as we can get recruits on campus, like, we're going to start closing these deals. And that's what's happened Michigan State's 2023 class is currently composed of 13 commits, depending on which services you subscribe to. Anywhere between eight to 10 of them are four stars. Uh, to me, the prize targets right now are offensive tackles, Stanton Ramil, and defensive end by Job. Uh, I think this class has just placed a heavy emphasis on the line of scrimmage. Four offensive line commits with Stanton Ramil, Cole Dellinger, Clay Whedon, Jonathan Slack. Uh, two four-star defensive ends by Job and... Uh, Andrew DePape from Iowa. And um, like I said, you know, kind of the Kenneth Walker effect, they got a, a four-star running back from Texas who's actually like a fringe five-star or was at the time of his commitment. Now he's a French three-star. Uh, but Kendrick Roscano from Texas, that's a big time get for Michigan state. That's kind of flying under the radar. Um, might be like their biggest running back recruit since LJ Scott. Like it's kind of on a similar level. I remember when LJ Scott committed, it was like a big deal for Michigan State. Uh, Kedrick Roscano, I think. So, we're gonna hear Roscano and Cabana
1: comparisons like the next five years, probably. Because, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Caspano is oh, wrong tab. Uh, da-da-da-da. 511, 190 I was 22nd uh, in the country, depending on which, yep. you go by, and then Cabana is sixth in the country. And he's a commit to Michigan just to be yeah, clear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and then, like, guys like Demetrius Bell, uh, some good corners. Chance Rucker was a four-star, I believe, from Texas. Um, that he, For a while, there was, like, a dead period of commits. And then, like, once Chance Rucker committed, then the ball started rolling. You started seeing guys like Jordan Hall and uh, Cole Dellinger. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm losing my voice uh start to commit to michigan state so you got parachek brandon parachek he's been committed for a long time
1: and he's cole cabana's uh teammate teammate yeah they both play at dexter and they look like they'd be friends because look at that face joe i know we're doing <laughs> audio and then look at that face tell me they don't hang out <laughs>
0: it's, um, They got the same barber it looks like yeah.
1: did you mention uh stan rumiel yeah yep. okay yeah, that was one yep. that like made my radar when I, he came. I believe
0: Ramil's like the latest commit, which was great because it came after a string of Michigan State missing out on Miles mm-hmm. McVeigh and Peyton Kirkland, two big-time offensive tackles. Like Michigan State was solid with Dellinger and Whedon and Slack, but they definitely needed a tackle in the class. So to get Stanton Ramil was huge, and he's an Alabama guy too. Yeah, I'm sure there were some SEC schools that really wanted him. Yeah. Um, anyways, I'm kind of losing steam on this one. <laughs> this is our we're, we're kind of knocking some rust off the wheels, but you know, football season is getting closer, like I said, less than three weeks now. Yeah. And we'll be, we'll have another one coming up.
1: Um, I think Michigan wins at least 10 games this year. Um, yeah. I, I could see State going anywhere from 8 to 10. Like yeah. Eight, to, 8 and 4 would it's, be disappointing. 10 and 2 is like the um, kind of – For me, I,
0: I see – I'm going to say at least two losses for Michigan State. I'm going to mark Ohio State down as a loss. And then out of Wisconsin, Michigan, and Penn State, I just don't think you go 3-0. and I think you could get to – so we're kind of on the same page cuz yeah. that's
1: that's be like if they do really well they yeah. probably go ten and two. And you and even if you like kind of like do really well against all the big boys and only have one loss it seems like a lot of teams always like trip yeah. up. Like last year it was
0: Purdue for. And there are there are some games like flying out to the West Coast to play Washington. Big 10 doesn't have a great record on the West Coast. Yeah. Then you come back and you face Minnesota. I think Minnesota's going to be back healthy. Uh Muhammad Ibrahim or Ibrahim Muhammad, I forget which combination his name is, but he was arguably the best running back in the Big Ten coming into the 21 season before he got hurt. Granted, Michigan State's defensive strength is going to be their run defense, but uh, that Minnesota game in East Lansing is not a given. Even the Maryland game before Ohio State. They have Maryland's, that really
1: good receiver who broke his leg. Yeah, Dante and then they, Demas. And then they have Tua too, Tua's brother. Yeah,
0: he's, yeah, he's not Tua though yeah uh, <laughs> Sorry, that, i know that's why i
1: corrected myself maryland, what's you, his uh last name
0: tongue there we go uh maryland usually breaks down at about the time that they're gonna be playing i wanted to state. say something else
1: about washington though Oh yeah go ahead i think uh they're easily the second or third best program in the pac 12 like yeah uh uh USC is obviously number one. And then for a long time, Washington was number two, just because they have a big fan base. They have mm. a beautiful stadium that's right on the Pacific Ocean. A lot of their fans, like, in, Right. Um, like
0: and the then, til- gate.
1: yes, and until the last 25 years, where Oregon was historically one of the worst, like, Power 5 programs, they've really pumped in a lot of Nike money. They've been really good for, like, 20, 25 years now. They might have caught up to Washington and even surpassed them, because Washington's yeah. kind of been up and down. But I think Washington, even more than UCLA, they're second or third third best program they can bounce back quick they got a a new coach that uh did really well at a california school i can't remember
0: Uh, was it
1: san uh he did really well at a smaller school anyway uh but yeah uh so and they have uh two quarterbacks one that kind of underperformed last year and then they got mike Penix jr so it'll be a battle there But, yeah, that could be a really tough game, too.
0: Yeah, so I I see a lot of games that aren't givens and could be tough, but we'll see. Obviously, every week uh, we'll do a much deeper dive into these games. Especially me. uh,
1: I kind of did really quick on football and basketball, and then Joe said he had to get up early in the morning. I'm like, okay, I don't need to do any more in segment three.
0: (laughs) anyways uh thanks for listening to the paul Bunyan podcast and if you
1: liked it please rate us that gives us what's known as social proof that you uh, listen to and like the pro the program and uh yeah we'll see you next time